This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, April 20th, and today it's your 4x5 episode. Four writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. On this episode, we will have some very early playoff fantasy takeaways and what some of those performances could mean or maybe not mean for a player's fantasy outlook moving forward. That and more is coming up over the next 25 or more minutes as we welcome in guest number one, Zach Hanshu. Zach, I think you've, uh, your, your idea, you're kind of got a couple guys who are really at the center of this whole conversation. So, uh, which, which, where do you want to start? You take it away. Yeah, man. So we've seen through two games right now through the Philly series and the Golden State series. Mm -hmm. It's been a youth movement, man. So we've seen Tyrese Maxey and Jordan Poole just absolutely going off in the playoffs so far. Uh, something I really, you know, I was digging into some numbers today, and so I apologize in advance. I'm going to be throwing some numbers at you today. Don't apologize for numbers around here. What's All what, right, well. Please throw numbers around. <laughs> apology rescinded then. So these two guys were eerily similar during the regular season. So Tyrese Maxey, 53rd in nine cat per game. Uh-huh. Jordan Poole, 59th. Both played 77 games. Maxi 17.8 points, 1.8 triples, 4.3 assists, 3.3 rebounds, 1.1 stocks. Pool 18.8 points, 2.8 triples, 4.1 assists, 3.4 boards, 1.1 stocks. Both shot better than 45% from the field and 87% from the charity stripe. So eerily similar seasons. Mm-hmm. Both are taken over in the playoffs. Both have 30-point games in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it, it's just been a crazy season for both of them, and both of them finished as third-round values for the final month of the season. So if you had them on your roster, probably a league winner, probably took you far into the playoffs with their late-season surges, especially Jordan Poole, who yeah, was 27. Yeah, I was say, yeah. Um, so I have some ideas about who I would like to take next season. Obviously, the draft stock for both of these guys is going to skyrocket, I think, mm-hmm. from where you took them this year till next year. But I just wanted to get your takeaway. I mean, what do you think about how well these guys are playing? And who would you want on your fantasy team next year if you could take just one? Yeah, so 38 and 23 points for Maxi in his first two playoff games this year. Pool 30 and 29, as you kind of alluded to. I think for me... And you said Jordan Poole in particular was really a game winner. I think I would lean toward Poole to get right to the right to the answer to your question. And the reason is not only was he better down the stretch than Maxi, you know, the last five weeks for Poole, 25 and a half points per game, 4.3 boards, five and a half assists, 4.2 threes in 20 games. Now, Steph was out for some of that, but not all of it. And I think the reason I choose Poole is while you look at Maxi's numbers, yes, they were good. He maintained, he was able to score with Harden there, but you know, the assist took a little bit of a hit. I just think Poole maybe during the regular season has a clear path to more nights where he's a focal point. And, and not to say that Maxi isn't, but I just think with, you know, with Steph and Clay and Draymond and the Warriors like, you know, not prioritizing the regular season as much. I just think Poole 
has more of a chance of being a focal point more consistently. Does that make sense? I mean, it's a it's a great problem to have. I like both of them, but I think if I'm taking one, I'm taking pool. I don't know if that logic made sense. <laughs> no, that logic makes total sense. I'm just in total disagreement with you here. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm totally, I'm, I'm in on Maxi for next season. I, I think the path to minutes, as you mentioned, for Pool is pretty clear, but I think it's clear, in my opinion, for Maxi. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the numbers for these guys, Jordan Poole, with and without Clay Thompson, numbers almost identical. Same thing for Maxi, with and without Harden this season, right. almost identical. As you alluded to, the 25 points, you know, four triples, and on and on for Poole down the stretch. A lot of that came without Steph Curry. I know not all of it, but a good bit without Curry. True. And his numbers with and without Curry are, you know, phenomenally different, you know, way up without Curry, as you would expect. And I think in the playoffs, we we saw Curry have that big 30-point game off the bench the other night, the second of his career, by the way, off the bench. But, you know, right now, they're just walloping Denver right now. And I think they're taking a cautious approach with Steph, and they're easing him off the bench. So... I don't necessarily see that being the case all next year. I think right now this is kind of a game script thing where they have the luxury of bringing Steph off the bench. Um, so I think Maxi next year, he's definitely going to be in that lineup, starting lineup each and every night where I'm not sure Poole is going to be each and every night. I think Poole might have the higher ceiling, but I also think he's going to carry some higher draft capital just because of the allure of, hey, he's the third splash brother now and, and DEFCON 5 lineup and everything else that's <laughs> kind of been hyped up around him, you know? So I think Maxi will come at a bit of a discount and gives you the more reliable floor um, just because we've seen what he can do with the lineup fully healthy and fully engaged. Yeah, so so Maxi in 24 regular season games after they got Harden or after Harden debuted for Philly, he was at 18.7 points, 2.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.3 blocks. 2.53 is good percentages. I just want to know, it also all comes down to where these guys are going in drafts because I don't think I'm going to draft either guy. I don't think I'm going to be racing anyone to draft either guy, to be honest with you, given the circumstances. And with Maxi, like that's a solid stat line, but I'd like to see more defensive stats. And yeah, I just, I'm not going to run out. I don't think I'm going to be the first guy to draft either guy, but you were making me pick one. So that's kind of why I landed (laughs) where I landed and yeah, I think it's interesting. I think both of these are potentially cases where being in the playoff spotlight could inflate where they go in drafts. And I think I'm approaching both with caution, even though I actually like both of them. Makes total sense to me, man. Everybody comes with a price, and the higher that price creeps, the the more caution you got to take with the player. Yeah. So totally agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, that's our time. Thanks for bringing this into to the forefront here. I enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Matt. Take care, man. All right. See ya. All right, now it is time to talk to Raphael Johnson. Raph, you have a slightly different agenda, I think, here. You want to talk about a couple of rookies, but one of them is still going in this year's playoffs. So let's start with your thoughts on Herb Jones. Yeah, obviously Herb Jones didn't play too well in game one, but he bounced back last night. Um, 14 points, three assists, steal, two three-pointers, 41 minutes. Shot the ball well. I think he was the biggest surprise amongst fantasy rookies this year just because a second-round pick, I don't think a lot of us expected him to be in the rotation on a consistent basis, much less perform at the top 100 level that he did. Um, That comes with a caveat, though. That caveat being that Zion Williamson didn't play at all. Um, So he was kind of secure once he got into the starting lineup and and showed his worth, so to speak. He was going to stick there. 
And I look at this playoff series, and I kind of think from a fantasy standpoint, he may have some things in common with the Mikhail Bridges and that there aren't really okay. any numbers that jump off the page. But he's mm-hmm. going to be a solid category guy, I think. But um, I don't think you take him to top 100. And what I'm wondering is at what point after the top 100 should fancy managers kind of target him, if they target him, even with the specter of Zion Williamson being back in the fold next season. Right, right. I mean, it, it, he does seem like a guy who's going to be on the floor quite a bit because of his defense, even if he, you know, maybe he shifts to a bench role. That's obviously to be seen. And I mean, so much of his appeal was in defensive stats, right? The 1.7 steals, 0.8 blocks. But if you look at the rest of the stat line, it's nine and a half points, 3.8 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.73s. I mean, yeah, I guess that the Zion question is a huge one we have to answer, Raph. But like, for me, the, the question I would want to answer is, do we see Herb Jones progressing in terms of those other counting stats next year? That would be the first question I want to answer before I even decide if I'm drafting him. I think you can. And I think Zion coming back, I would think that Herb would stick in the starting lineup because I don't know if you mm-hmm. want a lineup of Ingram, Zion, Jackson Hayes, and Jonas Valanciunas. Because I think that's just a mm-hmm. little too big in terms of the way that the modern NBA is played by a lot of these teams from a defensive standpoint. So I think for that reason, Herb would remain in the starting lineup. Um, You have CJ run the point as he has for much of his time since coming over from Uh Portland. So I feel pretty good about Herb's placement within the rotation. But like you said, the the progression, at least as a catch and shoot guy, because he's not going to be an ISO player. They have those guys already, but if he can improve that perimeter shooting, I think his value will will go will improve likewise. And, and yeah, and he was a decent. I think he shot like around thirty four percent on threes. So mm-hmm. there's something to build on there. Um, yeah. So yeah, if we can get the if we can get similar defensive production and we can get the threes, you know, I don't know, can we get the threes to one point two? I won't even care if he's only averaging like you know nine ten points per game. I will draft him for those steals, blocks, and threes. Yeah. So I don't know one. Yeah, outside the top one hundred, I don't know. Is it where where hundred twentieth? Do you think he's going to last that long? I'm not sure. It's a hard one. To, it's a hard one to figure. Yeah, that is, it's tough just because you know you've also got a Franz Wagner hanging out there. I think would be in like similar right. territory. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I think he will. He will be draft. Obviously, he'll be drafted much more than he was this heading into this season. All right, we got a couple minutes left, and I think you wanted to talk about one other rookie, Davion Mitchell. Yes, yeah, I think the Davion Mitchell question is an interesting one to me because there was a clear difference in his production once De'Aaron Fox went down. I think from March 18th onward, he was a top 75 player in eight cat, one thirtieth and nine cat. Turnovers were a little high, but when you're asking to play like 40 minutes per game as a rookie, that's going to happen. Um, the Fox question. Because overall, Mitchell was not a very good fantasy player. You look at the season as a whole, ranked outside of the top 200 in both eight and mm-hmm. nine cat. He's obviously going to figure more prominently in that rotation due to the Halliburton trade, but I don't know if he's a guy that I can trust to use a draft pick on because of the De'Aaron Fox question. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm with you. So it Because re- he really took off without mm-hmm. Fox in the picture. And so... Yeah, it's pretty hard to I mean, unless we're talking about like an insurance thing, right? Where you yeah. you drafted Fox and you take Mitchell to see A, maybe he's just gonna take off anyways. Maybe the mm-hmm. Halliburton alone, maybe the combo of being in his second season in the league, Halliburton not there for a full season allows him to break out even with Fox there. 
And worst case scenario, you just have insurance in case Fox gets hurt or something. But other than that, yeah, I, I think we kind of caught the perfect storm here for now with Davion Mitchell for as long as De'Aaron Fox is in town. Yeah, because even with an insurance type deal, this isn't like Andre Drummond in Philadelphia to start this season. Right. You know, so, yeah, I don't think I can trust him enough to use a draft pick on him, but we'll see what happens in the preseason, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's probably going to get drafted in a lot of leagues. I just think yeah. the outlook is pretty cloudy, and we, we can't expect necessarily that carryover from what we saw down the stretch of the year. I think we have to approach that with caution. Yeah, All right, Raf, appreciate it as always. I shall talk to you soon. All right, take care. Okay. We have two more writers still to go. First, we're going to take a quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA Pick and Roll Contest for a chance to win $50,000. We're highlighting Game 3 matchups between the 76ers and Raptors, Celtics and Nets, and Bucks and Bulls. If you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. Hi, Steve. Hello, Matt. Steve Alexander. Hello, Matt. Hello. How are you, sir? How are, how are you? Hello. Hi. Coming off a, coming off a pretty solid Max Freed Atlanta Braves high from last evening. It helped offset... <laughs> The sickness I felt watching Devin Booker go down with his Phoenix Suns. Matt, we don't see yeah. we don't see a number eight seed beat a number one seed very often in the NBA playoffs. But I don't think Devin Booker is going to play again in this series. Jeez, and he's Jeez. got a hamstring injury. The demeanor, the look he had on his face when he came out of that locker room and sat on the bench, it was that look like I'm I'm done. And then, you know, there were people on Twitter and some of the Phoenix beat writers were like, we've never had a transition defense collapse like this late in the game. Like, we look terrible. Well, when your leader is sitting over there with a frown on his face in, in a worst-case scenario, I think they I think they, they lost their concentration in that game. And it, it was really a shame because – I had Devin Booker on my DFS team, of course. He had 31 points and seven threes in the first half. I don't think he got more than two shots in the second half. He really didn't touch the ball. And then he got hurt later on. And 
it just doesn't look good for the Suns. And as far as who's going to replace him, I don't I don't know that Landry Shamet or Campaign are your answers, Matt. It's got to be Cam Johnson, right? Got to be Cameron Johnson, Cam Johnson, one of our favorite guys from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the guy. One of our favorite guys from last year's playoffs. That's the guy you pick up, I think. And had a 38-point game with Booker out back in March. So, yeah, I think that's the guy who, you know, whether you're playing, you know, playoff DFS or whatever, I think if you're looking for someone to jump in and and absorb that value, I I think it's Cam Johnson. Uh, Maybe Landry Shamet goes from irrelevant to slightly relevant as well. But Cam Johnson's the guy I'm watching there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, crazy, crazy how much that that series just turned, or that you know, it, it looked sort of like is New Orleans even going to get a game right heading into Game Two, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah. Well, and I think back to when New, New Orleans traded for C.J. McCollum, and I was like, so doesn't doesn't really matter. Zion's not playing; they're not going to make the playoffs, and here we are. Like he matters a whole lot now, and now it's looking, you know, like the Pelham's got a huge steal if they can get. Zion back in the mix next year. That would be nice. But um yeah, I don't know. This this just doesn't this is just sad for the for the Suns. Hopefully they can hopefully the injury's not as bad as I think it is and and he'll be okay, but it doesn't look real yeah. good. I was just gonna say when you came on here talking about how sad you were, I thought you were gonna say you were sad, saddened about the Hawks dropping game two, but then you went Devin Booker's direction. Well, I mean surprised I, I was not surprised the Hawks lost game two. Uh and I was a little sad about it. I some of my takeaways, they miss Clint Capella badly because Kongu's really yeah. not doing anything. If Bogey Bogdanovich yeah. was not on fire last night, that would have been a 30-point blowout. I underestimated the Heat's defense. I underestimated the Heat's offense. And they have decided that they are going to keep Trey Young in check and get beat by everybody else. And that is that is bad news for your Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think it could look a lot different when the series goes to Atlanta. And that was a winnable game for the Hawks, even though, yeah, it took Bogey being on fire for that to happen. But they were, Trey Trey Young missed a layup late to cut it to two. And that game was, the Hawks were kind of on the verge of potentially taking the lead late there. I feel like that missed layup was, was like the moment right there. If you believe in momentum, the Hawks had all of it at that exact moment. Well, and yeah, the Capella thing. The, oh, go go well, ahead. On the other go end, ahead. you know, we let Jimmy Butler just walk to the basket and dunk, and uh, like our our porous defense is really porous. <laughs> yeah, and I was led to believe that Jimmy Butler shot like twenty three percent on three pointers this year. He was knocking down every jump shot in sight last night. He had four of seven threes. Don't believe that twenty three percent number next to Jimmy Butler's name because he's shooting the ball differently than that right now. He was feeling and I mean he played great. He played great. He 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 dominated. He he got some foul calls that I was kind of shaking my head at, but there's a lot of that going on. I'm sure every NBA fan feels that way about the refereeing in every single game these days. But I'll tell you, I'd yeah. like to see the Hawks uh, come out and, and blow the heat out in game three and change the change the trajectory of this thing. Because you're right, they did have it down to three last night late. And Bogey was hitting these fadeaway crazy three-pointers and stuff but they had a chance to win that game but um in the end they they didn't just didn't didn't matter i guess is that my clock already prediction matt prediction (laughs) luke is gonna play in game three 
Wow. The, by the way, I love that. It's been so long since I've had you on this four by five or five by five thing. I couldn't wait to hear your reaction when the time <laughs> went up before you're expecting and it. Gives, it I've got PTSD with it because uh, it's like I, I'm late for something. I've got to wake up because that's my wake up alarm. So it, it creates right. all kinds of problems when I hear that. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, the Mavs, your Mavs taking game two. That was huge. They bought themselves some time. I still think they should hold him out another game, but I'm not a I doctor, think he's gonna try as to I've play. said before. You are a doctor. No, I don't, I don't think play. he should Steve try thinks. to play. I think he is going to try to play. He's going to play. You, are, you Dr. A, say he is I'm going to play. I'm not endorsing Got it. I just think that's what... As a doctor, you are recommending that he, is, that he should play. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Goodbye, Matt. <laughs> Goodbye, Steve. Brad Stonebreaker. I think you are here to uh, have me wallow in my Hawks heat misery some more. Is that what you came to do? A little bit, but I'll be kind. I'll be kind. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, lay it on me. I, I can take it. I can take it. I can no, take I it. wanted to start. Steve touched on a lot of this already, but um, just start with Trey Young a little bit. Obviously, he was miserable in game one, and he was better in game two. Made half his shots for a 25-6-7 line, but then you'd keep looking over to the right of his stat line you see those those 10 turnovers career high um previous was nine and they were just miami was just hounding him just he Mm -hmm. he put up decent numbers given everything but and like i said when you look over to those turnovers it's just brutal um in addition to that he's really been struggling from three uh he was just two of 10 last night and he's now two of 17 in the series and he also has more turnovers than field goals 16 as opposed to 11 through the first two games. Ouch. Yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll be optimistic here. Um, Atlanta does go home for two games, yeah. and they ended the regular season really, really well at home. They won 11 of their last 12 at home. Um, so unbiasedly, of course, do you, what, do you like the Hawks' chances of, of getting one, or what, what do you think? There is no there is no unbiasedly. <laughs> and when you told me those numbers, I, I thought to myself, well, it's a good thing. I mean, it's... Locks are lucky to only be down two games to none. <laughs> All those yeah. numbers you cited. I know. Um, yeah. I, I mean, they're a different team at home, you know, and and to me, they looked more like you, we can talk about the negatives from the game two loss, but I mean, that was an extremely close game for, for a lot of the game and very until the very end when the, the Heat pulled it, pushed it to 10 at the very end. That was sort of anyone's game, just a few minutes left. And the thing about Trey yeah. Young and threes, the fascinating thing is the two, we were talking about this offline before we started the podcast, the two three-pointers he made in this series were both catch-and-shoot opportunities. I I hope that the uh, Hawks are reviewing some footage and realizing that, oh my gosh, <laughs> we can get our superstar point. He doesn't have to start with the ball. You yeah. know, like the Hawks, it's yeah. almost like it's taken a very long time for, I have read, I think, before that Trey is a little hesitant, like he want, obviously wants the ball, so it's not just the coaching staff, but man, they need to just vary the looks. And they were trying to do that in game two. You could see it, like try to attack when the Heat's defense wasn't set up and all that. Cause running the kind of slow half court sets up at the top, you know, does not work against Miami's defense, especially with no Clint Capella as kind of the safety valve on those pick and rolls. The Hawks have, I think had no alley-oop dunks in this series. My, I was talking with a couple oh. of Hawks fans, friends about this. I don't think so. They're really missing Capella. But anyways. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I think Trey is good with the ball when he's on and not playing the Heat. But I, th- I think because I th- it, could, it could be in his head already. It's been two games and he's been having a hard time. And I, th- I think he you made a good point. Playing off the ball could be helpful to him, helpful to his team. And I think he's only hurting his team if he's trying to take a shot from 32 feet when Gabe Vincent is like 
just right right on him in his breathing right. space. So we'll see if they adjust adjust like something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and a few of those turnovers were were actually of the careless variety. It just mm-hmm. didn't need to happen. You give credit to Miami's D on some of them. Another one of his turnovers was he was dribbling up, and I don't remember if you saw this play, but Gabe Vincent just jumped in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's dribbling full speed, and the, the refs called mm-hmm. an offensive foul because Trey like extended his arm a little bit. But like the dude yeah. jumped in front of him when he's going full speed. I don't know. I I, I should stop talking about refereeing because it's just no. There was definitely some controversy. I was browsing Twitter and saw saw some things too. So you're not alone. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think you also wanted to talk a little more Jimmy Butler here before we go. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. It was fantastic last night. Um, he made four threes, like you uh, you were talking about. It's just not part of his game. Like he made 27 threes the whole season. Yeah. And it's it's just so weird because I know he can make them and his percentage was just not good this season, but you've seen him make big shots. And I'm just, it's just very confusing. I, I don't know if he just doesn't like to take them or if he trusts his other teammates to take them more. And I guess that brings me to my next point. Um, he made 27 threes in his 57 games this past season. Yeah. So I'm kind of touching on his health here in regards to, a quick touch on next season. He's played on just over 70% of his games with the Heat over the last three seasons. Second rounder on a per game basis, but right. when you go to total value, because of all of that, he moved to the bottom like of the third uh, of the third round. So I, I guess where, where do you take Jimmy Butler next season? Do you think, do you think he plays 65 games or do you think he's just a, gets hit with all these injuries constantly? And that's just what happens. We were talking about this on Monday's podcast because we reviewed the second round of fantasy leagues. And like you said, Butler was a second rounder on a per game basis. I've had trouble. I have trouble taking Jimmy Butler with a second round pick in a fantasy league just because of that track record. I mean, it's, it's, it is legitimately a thing at this point, right? I mean, we can't, we're not pointing to just some random fluke of, oh, he only played 57 games this year, but otherwise, I mean, every year, right? I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's like clockwork. And so I do think there's a point where it's worth it. He is not a guy that I won't draft, but I think it's got to be third round for me, and I don't know that if you can get him there. Yeah, I, I think there's no way you get him here just because of the upside. And if by some miracle he puts up these numbers and plays 70 games, it's going to be a steal if you get him anywhere in the in the second round most likely. Right. So right. It's, it's, it's hard to gauge, but like you said, and I totally agree, he's, hard, he's really hard to trust because it's been – so consistently sidelined by every injury possible, it seems like. Yeah, and I mean, just also the other thing I think about is, you know, look at his stat line. He's he's good. It's good across the board, not in threes, but like mm-hmm. it's good across the board. But there's yeah. not any huge edge you're getting anywhere. You're getting a solid, you know, body of work numerically. So yeah. you're getting that, but you're also getting a guy who might miss 20 games, you know? And so like for me the the risk of taking a Kevin Durant who might miss that same number of games or more, mm-hmm. he's dominating, you know, in scoring and and he's can get you big huge box scores, you know, when he plays, right? If he's healthy at the right time of year, you have just a monster on your fantasy squads. With with Jimmy Butler, it's like, okay, I have a solid guy. I, I'm, I'm taking risk for like a solid fantasy guy, which to me isn't a great combo. Yeah, no, I'm totally in the same boat. And like when he goes off, he goes off. We saw last night. I mean, he didn't even yeah. turn the ball over last night. He didn't commit a foul, Crazy. didn't turn the ball over. 45-5-5, I think. And yeah. that's pretty That's Dominant. pretty insane. But uh, you can't take that away from him. But I'm no. totally in the same boat. Yeah. No, I mean... Not a real life conversation. It's a fantasy conversation. Of course. And yeah. Yeah. He had he had quite a 
That was quite a game too. Quite a performance the Hawks absorbed yes. there. Yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if I feel any better, but there's always game three. We we have game yeah. three and we have two days off till game three, so I'm I'm grateful for that. I need a break. Yeah, they might need <laughs> those. I will see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for us on this. Oh, wait, no, it's not. I lied. If you are listening on the podcast, I want to tell you it's time for another one of Dr. A's Tales from the Attic. It's one of Steve's strange but true basketball stories from yesteryear. So on the podcast version, stay with us for that right now. Matt Straup here with Steve Alexander, and it is time for another one of Dr. A's Tales from the Attic, Steve Alexander's basketball stories from yesteryear. And Steve, for this one, we are hopping in the time machine back to a date that I would call January 20th, 1986. What's going on? Take us there. Take us uh, back. What are we talking about? Well, Matt, um, originally, I was going to tell you a story about how I got Rick Mahorn's shoes after a game one night but as i as i looked it up and got uh-huh. ready for this i realized i got two pairs of shoes that evening i wow i somehow got wayman tisdale's shoes before i got rick Moore's shoes that that night so i guess the way it went down is a- after the after the game the, he was rick Mahorn was a, a washington bullet at that time uh now the washington wizards and he was he was a I think they were called the Beef Brothers. It was him and Jeff Ruland. They were just these huge, massive guys. They just beat people up. Like that's back when the NBA was a little more physical than it is today. And I think Mahorn may have gotten in some sort of scuffle with the Pacers that evening, Matt. Okay. The NBA, and, the NBA. I, I like the understatement of the century there. The NBA was just a little more physical back in the day. If you go back and watch some 1980s like Pistons footage, uh, you will see that the Bad Boys is one example. It was uh, basically all out wrestling on the court, and it'd be like, yeah, common foul. <laughs> there was no, what was a, even a flagrant foul back then? But I digress. Carry on. Well, so I'm standing outside the Pacers locker room. <clears throat> Wayman Tisdale comes out. And he had told me before the game he was going to give me his shoes. He was the number two pick in the draft um, out of Oklahoma, just a just a beast. He he passed away of cancer um, several years ago. It's a pretty sad yeah. story. I, I, everybody yeah. in Indy loved, loved Wayman. But anyway, Wayman comes out. He was one of the first guys in the NBA, to my knowledge, to be signed by Reebok. And he handed me a pair of Reeboks, signed them. And Matt, you asked me before we started this if I had all my props together right, ready right. to go and i assured you i did but i did not i did not grab wayman's wayman's shoes <laughs> steve literally you have one job one yeah. job i know your job was to show up with the shoes and you didn't do it well i've got ricks here at least so anyway wayman gives me his shoes and signs them and as i'm i'm pretty psyched i'm like thank you wayman whatever and, um i'm getting ready to, to roll out of there and then rick mahorn who just beat up Maybe Herb Williams that night. I'm not. I'm not sure who it was, but I think he Tales got in the attic. Scuffle. Tales from the attic. All star Herb Williams. Yes, I. I think he got in a little scuffle with somebody, and and he he needed a ride back to his hotel. He's staying at the Hyatt, of course, where they all stayed, and so he's asking random Pacers for a ride, and they're all like, okay. they didn't come out and say it, but they were kind of like, uh, dude, you just kicked one of our guys' asses. Um, I'm not giving you a ride. I, can't, I just yeah. can't do it. So Mahorn is striking out across the board. And it just so happens, Matt, in January of 1986, I had 
literally turned 16 less than a month before that. Wow. So serendipitous. And I had a car in the parking garage. So I'm like, hey, Rick. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I got a car. <laughs> he's like, he's like, who is let's this go. Kid? <laughs> let's go, man. Okay. So much like my wow. my ridiculous Daryl Dawkins story, Rick Mahorn and I head off to the parking garage together. And uh, my father had bought me, my first car was a 1967 convertible Camaro, Matt. And it sounds it sounds a little fancier than it was. It was actually like yeah. the frame was broken on it. I think it was about ready to break in half. Uh, it was a very dangerous car to give to a 16-year-old. I do know that. Anyway, we get out to the car and Rick is like, is this your car? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I got the same one at home. <laughs> He's like, I love this car. Amazing. By the way, I mean, it's it's funny that he just was so like, again, there's like a recurring theme here of like trust in a lot of your stories, like Rick Mahorn getting a stranger's car. But I would also say, just looking at his basketball reference page, six foot 10, 240, Rick Mahorn sized up a 16-year-old Steve Alexander and said, I'm not too worried about this kid, <laughs> this kid trying anything. I'm guessing he sized up the situation and said, ah, this this will be fine. Dude, I literally weighed like 130 pounds. Like he was not in the least bit scared of a young yeah. Dr. A at that point. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so he's in the car and uh we're off to the Hyatt. So he gets in the car, he's got to put the seat back. I mean, the man is a freaking giant. And yeah. like it was crazy yeah. just to watch him even get into the car. And so he's sitting there next to me and we're pulling out of the parking garage. I'm like, okay, I've got Rick Mahorn in my car. After he just played an NBA game, first of all, where are we going and what do I talk about? So right. I'm like, where are we going, man? He's like, the Hyatt. I'm like, okay. And I, I think, I I don't know if I, this is when this went down or not, but uh, I think he said, um, whose shoes you got? And I was like, Wayman Tisdale. He's like, well, you're about to get another pair when we get back to the hotel. And I was like, awesome. Thanks, Rick. And uh so I, I guess since he's so big and he was known for his rebounding and another mm -hmm. tough guy in the league at that time was Buck Williams. So okay. I felt like I needed sure. to ask Rick Mahorn his opinion on Buck Williams. And Matt, I, yeah. I probably shouldn't have done that because uh -oh. Uh -oh. I expected him to say, man, oh, I love Buck. Like Buck's a tough, tough dude, man. Yeah. Like, mad respect. <laughs> I was like, what do you think about Buck Williams? He's leading the league in rebounding uh, right now. And he goes, Buck Williams is a blankety blank blank. And I was just like, oh, my Lord. Steve never like, heard these words before. Rick, Steve, young Steve Alexander's ears has never heard such language. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I was like, this is a bad dude. Like, like he plays a bad guy on TV, you know, like like he plays mm -hmm. the enforcer role. Right. Um, he plays the guy that beats people up, but I think feel like he and he's super nice guy, but he really is just a tough dude, man. Like, right? I I was I was like, this guy is this guy's legit. So, cut <laughs> at to that the, point. At that point, where where you're like, okay, I just you just kind of struck out on a conversation. You tried to volley into the air. So, what's the next move here? What's the next chess move? You know, man, I, I wish I knew because I think at that point I was like, oh, uh, maybe I'll just stick to his team 
and, uh-huh. and not really talk about <laughs> other players. So, right. I don't know. I was like, I was like, how, how you like your team this year? I don't even know what I said, man. I think he was, ta- I think he was talking to me more than I was talking to him. Like he, mm-hmm. he wasn't nervous at all. And I was completely ravaged. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, I don't really know what else we talked about. So I pull up to the Hyatt. He gets out of the car. He walks around. He takes out his shoes. This one right here. Okay. This Ooh, is a what do we Converse. Got here? Ooh, you can right. see it says the horn. Does that say the the horn? Wow, says the horn that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, most of the Converse guys had their had their nickname or their name printed on the that. shoe by Converse, um, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, by the way, I'm on Basketball Reference, as I said. It doesn't even. Uh, it, there's no the horn isn't one of his nicknames. Well, the horn this. is on his is on his shoe, Matt. So I mean, he also he also went by Ricky. Reference. He also went by yeah. Ricky in college. Yeah, Ricky. the The nicknames that are listed on Basketball Reference are Ricky, McNasty, and Leon. But no, no, the horn. If you're listening to Basketball Reference, let's uh, let's get this updated, right? McNasty and Leon. Yes. Yes. He, he I could totally see him being a Leon. That that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so, so you're there. You get the shoe. Got the shoe. Um, it all worked out. And and Matt, the great part, my favorite part of the story is the next time he came back to town, I of course, now that Rick Mahorn and I are best friends, just like right. me and Lorenzo Romar and Daryl Dawkins and Herb right. Williams, I had to be there the next time he came to town. So he gets off sure. the elevator. I'm sitting there. I'm standing there. I'm like, hey, Rick, what's up? He's like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, hey, listen, uh, I got something going on after the game. He's like, can you give me a ride again tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm I'm all about it. He's like, all right, I'll see you after the game. And the funny thing is, is that game he was playing for the Detroit Pistons. So it was the, the two games. I think they happened. They weren't that far apart, but it was when he transitions from the bullet bullets over to the Pistons and uh, Rick Horn went on to win a championship with the Pistons and found out that he got taken in the expansion draft wow. while he was at the Pistons uh, world championship celebration. And it, it really, uh, it hurt him. It, if you've seen the interviews about it, man, it, it really, really tore him up. So, um, but Mohorn was just an awesome guy is an awesome guy. He's still, he's still with us. Uh, he used to leave me tickets to uh, all the games when he was with the Pistons. When he'd come to Indianapolis, there were always two tickets for me. That is great. Steve, I imagine you're not a guy with a LinkedIn profile, but I think we need to go update your paper resume. Update the document, Rick Mahorn's chauffeur, 1986 to 1980-whatever. We need to get that line on your resume because I'm counting it. Two rides. Two rides. You were officially his chauffeur for a brief period of time. I was. 16-year-old chauffeur. <laughs> and if you were listening on the podcast, hope you enjoyed that. You have got to love the Steve Alexander, Rick Mahorn combo. That is not wor- Those are not words that I ever thought I would be saying. Uh, <laughs> that is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back here on Friday to talk more NBA regular season wrap-up and some more ongoing playoff trends. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. And thanks to all of our writers for joining Zach, Raf, Steve, and Brad. Thanks for sticking around. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.